hey, while you're putting stuff in the, in the basket, let me just give you a quick uh, uh, calendar update. Um, many of you are aware that uh, I was part of a trip uh, going to China. Does that ring a bell with anybody? Uh, several weeks ago, they, they canceled the, the leg that took us up to northern uh, China to the city of Yushu, where the clinic is. And I got to tell you, that just, I just went, wah, 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 right? I get it. I, I want to be abundantly clear. Uh, I'm not questioning that decision. There's people that are over there that they know, and tensions are unusually high. And, and without going into a lot of detail, basically the idea of, of introducing us into that situation, even for a brief amount of time, they thought would do more harm than good. So who wants to go do harm, right? And so that and, and a couple other logistical uh, uh, concerns I had, I just, I, 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 I bowed out. So I'm comfortable with that. Uh, um, I just, not that the rest of it isn't good, um, but, but uh, that was 90-plus percent of my motivation to deal with all the other stuff that's part of uh, a trip like that. Uh, the trip itself and logistically here at home and things and, and trying to keep things short. So maybe another day. I don't know. I never thought we would get to go there anyway, but um, maybe it'll happen. So if you're praying for that, um, just keep praying for me, but, but, but uh, uh, don't, don't worry about, the, about China and Malaysia. So. All right, with that, would you please take out your note sheet, and would you notice that we are not in what book of the Bible? Uh, and, and that's not like, well, that's a bad place. I finally got rid of that lousy thing. That's not it, all right? But um, I want to spend some time this morning, uh, before we have Holy Communion together, uh, just looking at something that's been rolling around in my mind for the last several weeks, probably because I knew we were uh, uh, going to bring Romans to an end, and that's, uh, uh, you know, the speaking of the truth. If we look at Romans, <coughs> what Paul's get, trying to get them to do is to be solid, Bible-based, uh, 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 sound doctrine, knowing, believing, and proclaiming Christians. And I don't know if you know this, but that would still be good goals for us today. All right? And... Uh, so in, in, in Matthew chapter 10, Jesus is talking, and he gives just some great instruction for us. So not unlike a, a lot of weeks, but this would be very instructive to us, to our lives, all right? So um, before we read it, uh, let me just tell you this. What, what we're going to talk about this morning is not the communication of your opinions or your preferences, Anybody in here have an opinion or a preference about some things? Right? That's not what we're talking about. Right? You, and, and as you know, flag-waving Americans, you can hold on to that. And you can hold on to that maybe relentlessly if that would be your choice. But that's not what we're talking about. Um, in Romans, Paul talks about disputable matters. All right? So we're not talking about which day of the week to worship, which foods you should or shouldn't be eating. We're not talking about, we're talking about core doctrines. And let me just give you a, a, an example. Things like God loves everyone equally. Now, what, what, I mean, what's, I mean, what other response would you have, would you dare venture in a Christian church than yes or amen? Right? I mean, I, I didn't even see a twinge of somebody going, 
Where'd he get that creed name? But we're talking about proclaiming it and actually believing it enough to live that way. Because sometimes, although we don't want to maybe outwardly admit it, we start to feel like uh, we've been we've been being a good little Christian boy or girl, and uh, maybe God's loving me a little bit more than that other group that isn't doing so well. So when I'm talking about sound doctrine, I'm not talking about just word service. We're talking about yes, God loves everybody equally. Those of you that are believers in the room, I'll take you back to a time before you'd reached out to Jesus Christ to become your Lord and Savior and remind you that he loved you then. Right? Because it's not a conditional love. He loves you because of who you are, because he created you. Another one, and this is equally fun, so get your steel-toed boots on. All sin separates us from God. What I want to say, but I'm fearful of your response, is that God hates all sin equally. Oh, we like to stratify them because, see, I'm not a felon. I create some misdemeanors every once in a while, right? But I don't do any of the, you know, the big ones, right? Reality is, is God's view of sin is that it separates us from him. And so it's damaging and devastating in equal way. Um, there's only one way to heaven. It's not new to 2018. It's been happening for, for a couple thousand years where people would say, well, you know, I think that there's more than one way. I think that there's multiple ways. As long as you're heading towards God, you've heard this in some shape or form, right? But see, biblically, I don't get to interject my opinion or my preference and go, well, yeah, because that would just make it so much easier. Listen, if, if the definition of God is what it is, and you're God Almighty, then there's one way. God's way. Right? And uh, uh, so that, those are the kind of things, as we read Matthew chapter 10, that I want you to think about when we're talking about bold communication. We're, we're not talking about getting into silly arguments and, on, on, on personal ideas and opinions and, and what you would prefer to have happen or not. All right? Uh, uh, this, is, this is core communication of the gospel that sometimes even requires words. How I mean, you know some of the best communication you do about your relationship with God doesn't include words? Right? It's your actions. It's the things that you do. Right? Those paths that you pave with the daily truth that you that you live out. So Matthew chapter 10, follow along with me, verse 24. Again, this is Jesus talking to his uh, uh, followers, he says, a student is not greater than the teacher. <coughs> a servant is not greater than the master. The student shares the teacher's fate. The servant shares the master's fate. So you see the, the connection he's making there. And since I, the master of the household, have been called the prince of demons, how much more will it happen to you, the members of the household? Don't be afraid of those who threaten you. For the time is coming when everything will be revealed. All this, uh, that is secret will be made public. <coughs> uh, what I tell you now in darkness, shout abroad when the day breaks. What I whisper in your ears, shout from the housetops for all to hear. And you'll notice the exclamation point there. Don't be afraid of those who want to kill you. Let's just stop there. 
Is that natural? No. Anytime bodily harm is on the table, we have a response. Jesus is telling us to go against that. They can only kill your body. They cannot touch your soul. Fear only God who can destroy both the soul and the body in hell. Not even a sparrow worth only half a penny can fall to the ground without your father knowing it. And the very hair on your head are numbered, so don't be afraid. You're more valuable to him than the whole flock of sparrows. <coughs> so real quick, before we turn our note sheet over, uh, what are the goals? What are the things that, I'm, that I think are important uh, for this text this morning? Number one, accurate transfer of the truth. And I say transfer to try to use that word uh, 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 specifically because you and I are not responsible for people's receptivity to the truth. Okay? Uh, so it's about being accurate with the truth. And if people accept the truth or reject the truth, is going to be a response between them and God. The other goal would be the life change, that God's word would change our lives, both when we learn it, absorb it, know it, study it, and, and proclaim it, and then thirdly, uh, uh, honoring God. Honoring God with, uh, uh, as a primary goal, with results and acceptance and, and people's appreciation being much further down the road than, than we oftentimes would anticipate. It's a great privilege, friends, to communicate the truth. Uh, we do it carefully. We, 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 we have to do it uh, with, with a great deal of wisdom, but it's a great thing, and it's part of the Christian life. So turn your note sheet over. 2 Timothy chapter 4 says this about the proclamation. <coughs> For the time will come when men and women, right? When the Bible says men, does it mean men only? No, men, mankind, okay? People will not put up with sound doctrine. I want you to underline sound doctrine because that's so pivotal in this bold uh, proclamation. Because if you're if you're boldly proclaiming errant doctrine, false doctrine, unhealthy doctrine, then 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 you've already lost. Men will not put up uh, with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from truth and turn aside to, what's the Bible say there? Myths. All right? We've talked before a little bit about some of the myths that we, we buy into uh, uh, a little bit. Let me encourage you with this, friends. The, 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 the picture that Jesus paints here is so abundantly clear. I just, I'm hoping and praying that you can see it, all right? Because what it could potentially be is kind of a real negative uh, downer. Uh, and I don't think that's Jesus' intention at all in Matthew chapter 10. In fact, his intention is to encourage bold communication of the truth, but also to give us a reality of, hey, what that might look like. Um, I'm hoping that at some point or points in your life, you've been reading the Bible and you've thought, man, that would have been cool to see that firsthand. You have any of those kind of things? Right? You go, man, that would be, you know, and I don't know about like video recording and stuff. I don't know what God's doing with that kind of thing. But So maybe it is on, on, on VCR somewhere. But my wife said the other day, she said, I need to set the VCR. Now, those of you that know me, I'm, 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 I'm not Mr. Cutting Edge Technology, but just so you know, we don't actually have a VCR, all right? It was a slip from a, from a bygone era. Maybe God has the ability for us to view those. But what we have for sure 
is the written record to say, hey, it looks like this, all right? And that's what Jesus is doing for us here. So number one on bold uh, proclamation, and again, I'm, this is meant to be an encouragement, not, not to be a discourager, but you can expect, you can anticipate backlash. <coughs> now let me, let me talk to some of my friends that are maybe lean uh, towards the, the, the type A personality, um, uh, outgoing, uh, aggressive, whatever. Some might even use the word combative. You're not, this is, in all humor aside, we're not talking about going and looking for a fight. All right? You might know some people, you might know some situations where the, 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 the tension is already there, it's well known, it exists, and there might be times where you need to speak even in those situations. But I have to tell you, as we look at the whole of Scripture, that there might also be times when you need to keep your mouth shut. All right? Say, well, Pastor, how do I know? Well, we have the gift of the Holy Spirit, and if your intention is, is really on target, you're going to be fine. And the boldness will come when it's supposed to be, and, and, and you'll maybe let the chips fall, if you will, as they may. But we're not talking about, hey, you know, I want to get into a, a little scuffle. I'm just feeling a little ornery. I'm feeling a little irritated. I'm feeling like, you know, I'm, uh, I've got a little extra courage. That's not what he's talking about. Because he clearly tells us to anticipate some backlash. Anticipate that, guess what? Not everybody's going to be thrilled with the truth. You might have been guilty of using this, this saying, the truth hurts, right? You're talking to somebody, and, and you're telling them what, you know, what it is, and you go, well, the truth hurts. Well, I don't know about you, but that doesn't soften the blow any, right? It still hurts. Maybe I've been in the wrong with somebody who did something, you know, I, you know knowingly or unknowingly didn't do, and, you, you know, there's correction. When you're in the wrong, it's not always fun, all right? So when you share the truth, some people are immediately receptive to it. That's, that's where they're at. Spiritually, mentally, emotionally, they're, they're, they're in a receptive state. Sometimes not the case. So that's why Jesus gives us this whole setup uh, and, and clear connection. A student is not greater than the teacher. A servant is not greater than the master. Is that difficult to understand? No. What's Jesus saying? Hey, I'm your teacher. I'm your master. And look what happened to me. How many of you be bold enough to raise your hand this morning and say, I've shared the truth before and, and just got totally shut down and I didn't like it? You know what I'm going to say, don't you? Welcome to being a Christian. Because, I mean, the thought would be, well, if I just did a better job, if, if my presentation was better, and, and maybe there is some room for improvement there. But I don't know, but I'm in a camp that think that Jesus did a pretty good job. And time after time after time, he was rejected, maligned, talked behind his back. People plotted against him. And so what he's trying to get to, to this is, hey, it's a very normal part of sharing the truth. Now, how many of you, you say, Pastor, you said one of the goals was to encourage us to share. But you got to know what you're getting into, right? There's, don't, don't be surprised because you're going you're gonna to waste time going down a road going, what went wrong? What, well, what went wrong? Maybe it's nothing. In fact, maybe you got it more right than you have in other times. Right? So you have to have a sense, not an eagerness, not a looking for a fight, but an, a, an expectation that, hey, there's going to be some pushback. 
there's going to be some rejection. There's going to be some people who might talk bad about you in front of you or not in front of you. That's where the courage and the boldness comes in because it's still the truth. It still needs to happen. Now, what does happen sometimes? We're evidence of it in this room. Sometimes people actually pay attention to and embrace the truth. I've asked you this question before. How many of you have responded to God's love the first time you heard God loves you, he's got a way that you can be forgiven? How many of you the very first time? Some of you do. That's awesome. So there's like two of us in here. So what does that mean? Come on, do the math quick. That, the odds are good that it's going to take more than one proclamation, more than one sharing. All right? And so we, we just say part of it, <coughs> not eagerly, but part of it, what I just know in my brain, part of it is rejection. Part of it is people are being upset with me. Are they really upset with you? Probably not. More the message, the impact that it has on, on their life and what it, what it causes. The second thing that we learn about uh, bold communication is to don't be afraid. And this goes against <coughs> all of our nature. Right? Don't be afraid of those who threaten you. Right? Don't be afraid of those, in verse 28, who want to kill you. I've never, I mean, I've had some minor threats, but I've never had somebody really set out and say, hey, hey you're, you know, I'm going to do you in. Could I just tell you what my response to that would be? Fear, right? Maybe panic, depending on how legitimate it seems. Right? <coughs> but such, such elevated is the proclamation of the truth that Jesus is trying to get us to get onto his value system and say, hey, you know what? The worst thing they can do is stop this physical body of yours. And to the unredeemed heart and mind, maybe that doesn't make a lot of sense. But in God's economy, what's more valuable than these physical bodies to ours is our what? Our souls. And so he goes on to explain that. And he says, hey, but, but again, and I know we keep coming back, be encouraged, let's do it, but, but know that there's going to be some threats. And don't be afraid. When those things happen, don't be afraid. Because I live in America and I pay attention to our culture, I, I can succumb to a thought or a feeling that maybe you have had, um, man, things are really terrible. Our country isn't what it used to be. and This is going on and that is going on. And you know what? I would encourage you this morning to maybe not spend much time there because I don't know how true that is. Because this was written a couple thousand years ago. You know, I'm not saying that, that that lessens the need for truth or that, that the truth isn't important. Well, it's, been, you know, it's always been going on. But sometimes even in that, we can get caught up in, in, in kind of a hypey response that says, oh, hey, you know, now's the time for truth. Well, guess what? Always has been the time for truth. Jesus is walking through with his, his friends and saying, hey, here's what it's going to look like. Using metaphors that everybody quickly gets. Students aren't above their teachers. Servants are not above their masters. So Jesus Christ is, is our, as our master and as our teacher. We can anticipate 
that we might get responded to just like he was. So when that fear comes, what do you do? You put your trust in God. You say, well, you make it sound so easy. Well, I didn't want to make it sound easy, but it is very straightforward, isn't it? Because our other option is to do what? Cower in fear. It's one of the things in, in, in this class I've been a part of and looking at the things that they do in other countries just to gather. You know? I, I mean, they're, you know, not uh, trying to soften the blow here, but there's no coffee and donuts. All right? There's no nursery care. They're, I mean, they, they so want to gather with other believers, they literally risk jail. In fact, many of them will understand at some point they're going to put me in jail. I don't know if you've ever been to jail, but it's not a good place. I'm not looking to end up there. In fact, I'm trying to follow the law so that I avoid it. And so when we look at it, we go, wow, that seems like a crazy thing for us. Well, maybe we don't have some of the imminent uh, uh, threats that other places do, but know that that's a reality of bold proclamation of the truth. And you just go, I, I think that it's worth it. I don't have to be afraid. And we'll look at the reason why here at the end of, the, end of our text. <clears throat> Number three is this. An interesting, an interesting truth that Jesus out, throws out there. He says, everything will be revealed. And that's kind of a present continual, meaning there's going to be a time in people's heart and life where, this is my, my commentary, not scripture, where the light comes on. Right, where they get it, maybe not dissimilar to how you uh, uh, came to an understanding. So if we look at verse uh, uh, 26, he says, Don't be afraid of those who threaten you, for the time is coming when everything will be revealed. All that is secret will be made public. All right? Our role in this communication uh, uh, equation, friends, is to boldly proclaim the truth. Solid, Bible-based, Bible-supported truth. And God will do the things that only God can do in shedding light on lies. God will do the things that only God can do on elevating truth above falsehood. And he'll do that on an individual scale, and he can do that on a grand scale as well. And so we take encouragement from that, and we say, yeah, you know what? Maybe right now it's a little bit tough sledding, but there's coming a day. And that's going to be a great and glorious day. And then the fourth thing with bad, uh, 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 bold communication is this. And this is the most encouraging part, perhaps. God is aware and with you. Have you ever had a difficult streak in life and you felt like God wasn't with you then? Anybody have that? Raise your hand. All right. About half of you. The other half of you I want to invite to have lunch with today because I need to learn from you. Right. Either you've had a super easy life or, or, or you've got a better faith than me. My life tells me that there's times when you think, you look around yourself and you go, where is God? Where is God in this? Right. Uh, Friday I had an opportunity to, uh, to, to visit Kaiser again. Uh, for their MRI. Why, Pastor, why are you at MRI? Because Nathan gets an MRI every three months. It's not the worst thing that I do, but it's not my most favorite reminder. Right? 
when you get those kind of things, when you have to plow through those kind of things, what the devil would like to do is come and, and not get you to focus on the truth, but get you to go, yeah. And what you do is you push into the truth and you say, God is with me, and he's not just with me, but what's the Bible say? He's for us, right? And that's what he's doing here when he, when he talks ab- ab- about very, um, and my animal lovers are going to get mad at me, but just get mad at me, uh, very meaningless animals, all right? Low-value animals, if you will. Maybe meaningless isn't the best word, right? Don't fear those who want to kill you. They can only kill your body. They can't touch your soul. Fear only God who can destroy both the soul and the body in hell. Not even a sparrow worth half a penny. What can you get today for half a penny? Nothing. Now, some of you have lived long enough, congratulations, where you actually, you know, could buy something with a penny. Now they're just a nuisance, right? Not even a sparrow worth only half a penny can fall to the ground without your father knowing. What does that mean? That means God knows what's going on. I'm going to encourage you again today. You go through deep stuff. Get, a, get rid of the why question right away because I don't think we're ever going to solve that to, to satisfy our soul. Go to, go to the what question with Romans 8.28. God works all things together for our good. God, what good is going to come out of this? God, how are you going to work? I don't see the how, God, but I'm trusting you. I believe in you. So Jesus is saying, hey, God knows. He knows about the most ridiculous incidental details. Verse 30, the very hairs on your head are numbered. You don't even know that about yourself. You don't even care that about yourself. You just get up in the morning, you do your hair, and you move on, right? Well, some of you are pretty into your hair. That's okay. I took about three and a half seconds again to do my hair. So don't watch. So, so Jesus gives us these, these examples of the, the, the keen detail that God is paying to your life. And then he says, so don't be afraid. Because God is paying attention. And he is God Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. You are more valuable to him than a whole flock of sparrows. What Jesus is trying to do is encourage believers and say, hey, part of what you get to do is boldly proclaim the truth, but it might not be the easiest thing. But know this, God's aware, and he's with you. God knows, and God has not left you. See, one of the things that that gets woven into our theology is that if I'm having difficulty, that something has gone wrong. If I was a better Christian, if I had done this a week ago or 10 years ago, that that would have somehow isolated me from this incident. And you know what? That's terrible theology. Terrible. If you can find a scripture to support that, all joking aside, let's talk this week. Because when I read the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, great women and great men had all kinds of hardships. But in all of it, God was always with them. Now, I don't say that to minimize something that you're going through and say, hey, you know, get over it. Everybody has their stuff. I say that to encourage you to tell you the truth. God's with you. God's for you. He hasn't forgotten. He's he's paying amazing detail to what's going on. Why did God let it happen? 
How many of you want me to answer that question? I'll answer it for you. I don't know. I don't. I'm not trying to be funny. I don't know. I'm not going to try to answer something that I don't know the answer to. Right? I have some idea. I have some thoughts. I, I know that God's given us free will, volition. That messes up a lot of things. So I could make a bad decision that would roll into your life, and it's not God's fault. Right? Why doesn't God just stop? Well, because God doesn't dictate the details of our life. He cares about them. He knows about them. Right? So that's where we push to the how. How is God going to work this for my good? What good is going to come out of this? Don't buy into the thought, the idea that, hey, if I'm having difficulty, that it's, you know, we've, we've kind of gone past this. But, but in the 80s, there was this idea that, well, that's happening to you because you don't have enough faith, which spawned a whole uh, aberrant theology of, of, of putting your faith in your faith. So the goal was to boost your faith. This might, this might cause more problems than I have time to answer this morning, but do you know that most of the time my goal as your pastor is not to boost your faith? I just want to make sure that your faith is rock solid in God Almighty. Because the Bible talks about we don't have to actually have a lot of faith, but we do need to have it in the right place. Somebody feel free to say amen. Sometimes we get all, it's about me, and it's about what I'm going to do. And I'll tell you what, my faith's in God. My hope is in God. My faith isn't in my faith. Should we grow our faith? Should that expand? Yes. Uh, we should develop that over time and learn to trust God uh, uh, more and more and more for bigger things, for different things, uh, quicker than you used to. I mean, there's, de- there's definitely a growing and developing of our faith. But the most important thing is that our faith is in God. It's not in ourselves. It's not in the people that are, that, are, that are around us. Take heart, friends. God is with us and for us. He's aware. He doesn't forget. It's unfortunate that we won't be able to answer all the difficult questions that we have in life. But what we can do is we can look and say, hey, God knows. He's aware. Look real quick at the bottom of your note sheet there. In 2 Timothy, this is Paul encouraging uh, young Timothy. He says, correct rebuke and encourage those are great uh, uh, objectives of sharing your truth all right now it's not all correcting it's not all rebuking there is encouragement too but look at this the second part of it with great what's the bible say there patience and careful instruction so it's not haphazard it's i I don't want to send you out of here swinging your sword and just i mean you're going to go everywhere today until you can until you can find a biblical fight. You know, I'm just going to, I'm going to, you know, there was nobody at Safeway, man, so I rolled over to Walmart, and everybody in Walmart was fine, so went over to Save on Food or whatever that thing's called. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah. no, that's not it. Great patience, careful instruction, but, but willing to proclaim boldly if and when maybe it costs you a little bit. Maybe somebody threatens you, threatens to cut off a relationship, threatens you with with a job. I mean, it it could be different things. But the reality is, is it's always worth it because it's just being a Christ follower. One of the things I want to do this morning to help us remember this and keep our faith centered uh, on Jesus is is participate in Holy Communion. And uh, uh, I want to just tell you how we do it here at Grace. Maybe it's very similar to how you're used to. Maybe it's very different. But, but we participate in what's uh, in theological terms called open communion. You know what that means? 
We don't participate in closed communion. It's a fancy way to say you don't have to be a, a lifelong member of Grace Community Church to participate in communion, all right? Biblically, uh, it says that you need to be a, a Christian, a Christ follower, all right? And so maybe you're here from out of town. Maybe this is your, you know, uh, one of your first few times being here. I want to welcome you to participate together with us. And so uh, the band, if you guys could come up and help us out with, with the closing song, those that are going to help us with, uh, with our communion elements, if you're going to get a little cup with some juice in it, non-alcoholic, and, uh, and a little piece of bread. If you'd hold both of those until everybody's in the, in, uh, uh, been served, I'm going to pray a singular prayer this time over both, and we'll, we'll partake of those uh, together. I want to read to you this morning from uh, the message, uh, which is a paraphrased uh, uh, version of the Bible, and uh, uh, it's in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. It's going to sound familiar to, to many of you, but it's a little bit more uh, uh, um, modern vernacular, but I thought it might uh, uh, help us uh, focus this morning. Yes, thank you, gentlemen. Please go ahead. Uh, <clears throat> he says, let's go over with you exactly what goes on in the Lord's Supper and why it is so centrally important. I receive my instructions from the Master himself and pass them on to you. The Master Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, This is my body, broken for you. Do this to remember me. After supper, he did the same thing with the cup. This cup is my blood, my new covenant with you. Each time you drink this cup, remember me. What you must solemnly realize is that every time you eat this bread and every time you drink this cup, you reenact in your words and actions the death of the master. You'll be drawn back to this meal again and again until the master returns. You must never let familiarity breed contempt. Anyone who eats the bread or drinks the cup of the master irreverently is like part of the crowd that jeered and spit on him at his death. Is that the kind of, quote, remembrance that, that you want to be a part of? Examine yourself. Test your heart. Come to this meal in holy awe. I'm going to be quiet for a couple minutes while you're being served, and let's just focus our hearts on, and minds on remembering Jesus. You know, as I read in, in the message version and read that several times, I was just reminded how often the word remember is part of this, this text. It's really about a remembrance. It's not remembering so much our life and, and the impact that that's had, although that sometimes seems to come up naturally. It's really about remembering the life of Jesus and what he did and his commitment and his sacrifice on our behalf. So let's pray together this morning. Father God, we thank you for the ability to come in holy awe, in a reverence, in a deep and sincere respect this morning to the communion table, the Lord's Supper, the Last Supper, and remember the life of our Savior, Jesus, your Son, gift to this world. But I pray that you would stir in our hearts that it, these symbols given a couple thousand years ago would have the exact impact on our lives that you intend for them. We don't want to just think in our hearts and minds, oh, I've had communion several times before. 
maybe dozens or hundreds of times for some. But with great love and respect this morning, we want to remember and we, we want to say thank you for diligently following out the will of God the Father. <laughs> Help us to follow that example in our lives. Thank you for being willing to endure hardship, great hardship, ultimately amazing suffering and even death and burial on our behalf. Also, Jesus, we want to remember today that you are not in that borrowed grave, but that you beat death, everything that evil had to throw at you so that we could live victorious through your shed blood. We love you. We remember you today. In your name, amen. Let's eat our bread together. drink the cup of new covenant Jesus Christ. Amen. Would you stand with me? Let's uh, worship our way out of here this morning.